guys. Welcome back to Revive School. Here we are in Galatians 4, Lesson 49. You know, kind of crazy to think, you know, when you're dealing with Paul's letters and his epistles, like it, they're shorter. So we can actually see the end. I mean, this week we're going to be finishing up talking about Christ being the liberator. I mean, Kevin, this is our theme uh, this, this, whole, this whole week, but really the whole book of, the, of, of Galatians. And in Galatians 4, this is really the, the progression that he begins to build to get to the freedom part uh, of Galatians 5. When you look at Galatians 4, specifically 1 through 7, here's what he's going to do, you guys. He's doing a comparison, you know, in my language, in the old and the new. Uh, in, in the scriptural language, the flesh and the spirit is what he's doing. He's doing a comparison of, even ready for this one, Hagar and Sarah. So he's doing these old and new, old and new comparisons. And that's what we're going to begin to unfold because he's saying to the Galatians, you guys, I don't know how I would say this as a dad. I've actually, I've said this as a dad. And I have an image of two of my children specifically <laughs> in the back of a bedroom. And I was like, guys, I don't know. This is going to sound harsh. And they'll tell me it sounded harsh later. Dad, that was mean. You shouldn't have said that. I'm like, I thought you guys said you knew Christ. You guys ever used that line before? Because I'm saying how your actions and your words literally say to me, you're not exemplifying your walk with the Lord. Now, I know my parents could have said the same thing to me. My wife could say the same thing. But my point is, is Paul has this heart for those that he's poured into. Guys, what are you doing? Why are you going back to this old way of doing things? Why are you trying to integrate these Judaizers mentality, these false brethren, these false apostles? And so he's, what he's doing in the first seven verses is, and Warren Wiersbe says it really well, He's trying to explain their adoption in verses 1 through 7. My kids just got done doing the musical Annie. Okay, Annie was an orphan, right? She was constantly waiting for somebody to come and get her. Is there anything Annie could have done in order to get somebody to come and get to, to pick her out? No, it's literally somebody saying, I want you. And that's what he's saying to the Galatians. He's like, do you not remember the process of how you've gotten to this point? And he says in verse one, now I say that as long as the heir is a child, he defers in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Okay, hang in here as we as we walk through this. Okay, what he's going to start doing is making a comparison of you guys were once children in bondage. And then he's going to talk about how God has come in and released that 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 bondage. And so he says in verse two, instead, he is a guard. He is under guardians and stewards until the time set by his father. OK, let me back up. John MacArthur describes these two verses pretty well for me. And I, I, I kind of have to slow down with some of these verses because otherwise you look at them, Kevin, and you're kind of like, here's the image. OK, if you're under the guardians, you're, you're basically slaves that are entrusted with care uh, a, a, of an underage person. Okay, it's like you're the underage person, somebody's in charge. If you're a steward, you manage their property for them until they come of age. Okay, so basically you're constantly under uh, somebody's authority. Until, in, in fact, even to the point where in Galatians 3.24, they even have been given tutors. Okay, uh, they are almost of this, they had this complete charge of a child, and yet nothing's going to change until they come of age. Okay, so he's talking about this progression of... Here's this process. In fact, he then says, it's the same mentality of the law. This is what he's trying to say. You're under the law. Okay, keep going. Hang in here with me. In verse three, he says, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elemental forces of the world. In other words, 
There's not a whole lot of growth going to take place. In the beginning, you're literally under something because you're not understanding the bigger picture. Tom? Uh, A light bulb just went off for 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I thought like a child. This is what he's talking about. Exactly. And in fact, this whole elemental forces, okay? There's a big study out there on elemental forces of the world. Some people take it in the demonic realm. Some people take it as, you know, the flesh. Some people take it as the world. I'm going to tell you a little bit of just yes. Okay, here's what I'll just say. That that word elements, okay, it means raw or rank. And it really speaks of basic, fundamental, foundational things like the letters of an alphabet. Okay, so here's what they're saying. We're basically under the basics of a foundation. Now, here's the basic elements, though of religion. That's what we're talking about. When we were children, when we were in bondage, when we were studying the basics, we are under the elemental forces. We are basically, uh, I don't know how to say this, like we're under the weight of just basic religion is what, what he's talking to. So as Galatians, he's like, hey, look, guys, but you have to understand something. Now, remember, he's explaining their adoption, right? In order to explain their adoption, He's basically saying, how did you even get to this place in the very beginning? These first three verses describe you are at this place. But now watch in verse four. Here's where you're going to start seeing freedom come into the picture. Okay, you're in an orphanage. Okay, this is the image. But now how all of a sudden can you get out of the orphanage? How can you get out of this weight, this bondage? Well, when the time came to completion, God sent his son born of a woman. I'll explain all of this here in a little bit. Born of a woman, born under the law. Why? to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So do you see the trans, you see the the progression here? You started off as children. The next thing you know, in verse four, he says, yeah, but when the time came to completion, okay, in in other words, I'm going to describe this based on how MacArthur says, it helped me understand in God's timetable. Okay. What this means when time came to completion in God's timetable, when this is kind of a cool, when exact religious, Cultural and political conditions. Okay, you put all that together. Political, uh, religious and cultural. Everything comes together in the conditions are demanded by his perfect plan were in place. That's when Jesus entered the world. You kind of have to wonder from, from the father's perspective, like, wow, here we go. And so at that moment, literally people have an opportunity to be redeemed, to literally... Uh, they're buying a slave's debt. They're, they're coming in and saying, okay, everybody that's in this, I'm going to pay for it because freedom is going to take place. Freedom comes and takes place because Christ was released from the Father. I can't say it enough. People are in an orphanage. I don't, this is the only way for me that helps in this adoption process. And the next thing you know, the Father sent the Son and said, okay, I want you to go adopt. I want to adopt those that you're picking. <laughs> Doesn't that sound weird? But that's what happens. He picks people from the orphanage and he says, you're mine. And he describes the son as as a couple different ways. And I think this is kind of a cool image. He was born of a woman. So he emphasizes Jesus's what? His humanity. Jesus came born of uh, literally of, of a virgin birth. He was fully God, right, to come into the place. But he also had to be fully man. Why? To take on the penalty of the sin as as our substitute. He literally took this on. So God sent his son born of a woman. And then here's the crazy image. And I had to scratch my head and really look at this. And then it says he's born under the law. Tom, why would he have to say that, you think? 
because there has to be the transition. You, you had to be under the law to fulfill the law. So when Jesus came into play, literally, the law was still taking place. It wasn't like as soon as he was born, the law stopped. It wasn't like the sacrifice has stopped. Like none of that is all taking place still. So he was literally born into this situation. So, you know, I think this is kind of interesting. John MacArthur says, so Jesus was actually obligated to obey God's law. It's kind of a weird way of looking at it, but it's true. At that moment, he says we are obligated. And it says, and here's the cool part, but unlike anybody else, he could actually obey all of the 613 commands. He could obey everything that the law required, which he's the only one that we could ever say he perfectly obeyed. Nobody else. So when the time came to fulfill the law, Jesus has got it. His sinlessness made him, MacArthur said, an unblemished sacrifice for sins. And he fulfilled all righteousness. I, I just like this image because he perfectly obeyed and that perfect righteousness, you ready for this, is literally carried over to us who believe. So it's literally the, the family mentality. You're now my child. You get what I have. And so he's reminding the Galatians, by the way, I've taken care of all of these law things that you're trying to keep up with. I've got it taken care of now. And we get caught up in this you know, chasing our tail mentality as opposed to being kingdom. And he says, look, I, I, I love this. I've signed the papers already. You don't have to worry about anything. And he says in verse five, I'm doing all this to redeem those under the law. And look, so that we would receive adoption as sons. I, I, think, I think people that have been adopted can appreciate this more than anybody. You know, like I was literally born under, you know, my mom and dad and I've lived with them. I've been raised with them. But like when people uh, have not done that and they've been literally felt like they've even been abandoned and somebody comes in and says, I'm choosing you. There's something I'm sure like, wow, you feel valued, feel special. And this term of, uh, of adoption, it just literally means act of bringing somebody. MacArthur says, who is the offspring of another into one's own family. And in verse six, it says this. Uh, he says, and because you are sons implying family. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Okay. And this is a cool image, is this not? So like we have the spirit of Jesus in our hearts. Fair statement. That's why even uh, when when, uh, Jesus was coming out of the wilderness, or even Paul, I think it was, when he was traveling, it said that the spirit of Jesus forbid him to do something. Like it's all interwoven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like it's all together. And so when the Father sent the Son in the process, then the Spirit of Jesus, then actually this is, it comes into our heart. And in our heart, then the Spirit of Jesus is actually crying out, Daddy, Abba, Father. I love it. Abba is really an Aramaic term of endearment used by young children to speak to their fathers. But doesn't that make sense now when he's talking about adoption, when he's talking about these young kids in the faith that are trying, you need to realize who you're talking to. Like you are a part of my family. And if you don't know what to say, it's okay because I've given you the spirit of Jesus and he'll speak on your behalf. Verse seven, it says, so you are no longer a slave Kevin, this is a time for you to start singing. 
No longer. Kevin, you're not feeling it again? Kevin, you're still not feeling it, are you? Kevin, you didn't feel it in Psalms either. No. Maybe, maybe Revelation. Maybe. <laughs> you're no longer a slave, but a son. You know, I know I'm going to keep going back to Mindy's painting here. Like, you no longer have to function in bondage. Like, you can fully have access to what I need to give you. You are an, an heir through God. You are receiving the inheritance. So can I just say, somebody needs to hear this. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. I feel like sometimes we've messed up so many times in our life, you feel like you have to do something in order to earn God's favor back. Tom, I'm sure you've seen that many times in script, in, in just being as a pastor. There's no way God could love me. I've done X, Y, and Z. It's not how it works in the adoption process. In fact, they already know when, when God, isn't this the truth? When God already knows when he adopts you, he already knows you're a mess. He already knows you're bringing baggage from the past. The thing is, we all have baggage, whether we, it looks like it or not. All of us. All of us. And, and before, I, before I move on to verses 8 and following, I just want to emphasize, Kevin, if you'll go back real quick. Can you go back to verse 6? There is a theme, and I know Pastor Tom's going to talk about this with the fruit of the Spirit uh, going into tomorrow. But man, there's an incredible theme of the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Galatians. Uh, did a study on this a couple days ago and began to teach on this to our Time Revive team. But I think it's really cool because in Galatians 3, 2, it says, you know, you receive the Spirit by faith. Okay. And then it just talks about and what he does is in Galatians 3, then begins, he's like, hey, but stay with the Spirit, don't go to the flesh. And then he says, again, I'm going to supply you with the Spirit, which allows you to actually work miracles. It's crazy. The Spirit of God allows us. And then in this process, you guys, he constantly is just saying, like in Galatians 5, we'll get there, walk by the Spirit, not by flesh. And so there's this constant fight of flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit. And so he's, he's going to start making this comparison. But now you're a child of mine. Paul says this about God saying to his children, you're a child of mine. You don't have to go back to anymore to that. That's why he emphasizes the Spirit of God. That's why he emphasizes the fruit of the Spirit. That when the Spirit of God is moving in your life, you'll begin to see all of these things. And in verse 8, though, what he does is in 8 through 11, he begins, though, to lament. Okay? He laments. This is from Wearsby again. He, he laments their regression. So, Kevin, without even knowing the rest of the story, when it says he laments their regression, what do you think they probably are doing? Going back. Going back to the old way. In fact, it says, but in the past, when you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God, I love this phrase, and this will really mess with your theology, or rather have become known by God. Well, which one is it? Yes. (laughs) How can you turn back? If you've been known by God, or even if you know God, either way, how can you turn back again to the weak and bankrupt elemental forces? How can you go back to the basic of this religion? Do you want to be enslaved by the all of them all over again? We become so comfortable with what we know. Look, here's the deal. That's what this is, Kevin. This is a going back to the comfortability. Look, I have my moments every day or especially the last couple of weeks. You just kind of play this game. Oh, 
it would be easier to not have to pray and depend upon faith. I wouldn't mind just going through like, this is not in a demeaning way to what you do, Tom, as a pastor, but going back to just church. Sunday mornings is safe. Going and participating is safe. But when you depend upon faith in the Holy Spirit, that's when it gets messy. So you need those Sunday mornings to say, keep going. But sometimes I'd rather just stay there on Sunday mornings and stay in that posture. And then go through a regular eight to five job. Wouldn't that just be easier? I'll read my Bible every once in a while. I'll pray every once in a while. I'll throw in some communion. Literally, I think that's what we talk about. Like, and even if, if not that, it's just like, how could I, how could I go back to my flesh? But the problem is, he says, do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? Because that's what keeps you in bondage. There's no fruit of the spirit when you when you walk like that. And he says he literally is lamenting. I can't believe you're doing this. In fact, he says in verse 10, he gives them examples of how you're doing this. You observe special days, months, seasons and years. Look, Paul even Paul freely observed. Okay, I, I, I admit this, the festivals, the feasts. That doesn't make it wrong to observe special times that the Lord says honor and recognize. But you don't get to the point where you worship those things and then there's no freedom in that. It's like, Kevin, I got to do this today. I got to make sure everything is lined up. And that's what he's saying. And in fact, he says in verse 11, I'm fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. It's almost like you're like, dude, I don't even want the key anymore. Just give me back to the chain. You know what it really is? It's the Israelites saying, take me back to Egypt. I'd rather be enslaved to that because you know what? At least I know what I'm going to be doing. And Paul says, man, I'm afraid you wasted literally all of my work because now it feels like it's in vain because you want to go back. Do you not realize you're a child of God? I cannot tell you how many times when I go through a list of cities in my head over the last 12 years, when I see cities that we've poured into and it looks like there's zero fruit. And you know what it feels like? Did I really just pour into that city did I really just do that? It feels like I wasted something. Did I do that in vain? Like That's what Paul is saying. I can't believe you thought about going back. Tom, I'm sure you've poured into somebody in the church. And then six months later, you're like, do they even know what I'm even talking about? It just rips your heart out. It rips your heart out. But, but you keep trying and you keep doing it. and Which is exactly what Paul does in verses 12 through uh, 18. You know what he does? He seeks their affection. Wearsby says he seeks their affection. So here's what I love about this. And this is where the, the shepherding side of Paul comes out. He's like, look, you guys have been adopted, but now you've obviously clearly, you're turning your back. But then in verse 12, he says, but I'm begging you, please stop. He really wants them to walk with the Lord. He says, I beg you, brothers, become like me. <laughs> Classic line by Paul. But Kevin, if you go to 1 Corinthians 11, and so Tom, we've been talking about how does he tie all this again? This is a normal language of Paul. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, this is what exactly what he says. He says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. This is what he says. So when he's begging the Galatians and he says, look, I need you to become like me, saying because the spirit of Christ is inside of me. For I also became like you. You have not wronged me. He continues on. And he says, you know that previously I preached the gospel to you because of, of a physical illness. This is kind of interesting when you do a study on this. Amidst him seeking their affection, uh, possibly he came down with what they might have think malaria. Now, look, 
They have no way of knowing it. We don't have no way of knowing it. But he came down clearly. He got something possibly on the coastal islands of Pamphylia. Okay, so something he would have come down with. And yet this is kind of I just because I just got my malaria pills. Just thought we'd talk about this, Rich and Tom Jankowski. Maybe why Paul and Barnabas didn't preach at Perga was that, the, this is interesting, the cooler and healthier weather in Galatia, where Paul went when he left uh, Perga, would have brought some relief to the fever caused by malaria. So based on our location, you know what it's like, Tom? Hey, I need to go to Florida to rest a little. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, it's like... Oh, this sounds better, right? So like this is <laughs> malaria is serious, but its attacks are not continuous. And MacArthur just says Paul could have uh, continued on uh, ministered despite random bouts of this fever coming at him. And so it's just kind of an interesting. I think sometimes we think Paul's like this superhero, even though he has a thorn in the flesh. He just keeps going. But here in reality, he still got hit by sickness. So uh, I don't know. May- maybe Rich, what do you think? Maybe a sore thumb? Yeah, that comes up every now and then. I don't know how one gets rid of it. Uh, what do you think, Tom Jankowski? Thinking surgery. <laughs> <laughs> he said, okay, but look, despite the sickness, you, you didn't despise or reject me through my physical condition. It was a trial for you. On the contrary, even though I'm going through the sickness, uh, you received me as an angel of God. Now, please understand this. He's not a physical angel. Okay, this is like the hospitality. You open up your home and you don't know you might be entertaining angels. It's kind of that mentality. Okay, so don't understand that Paul is an angel. He's not. You receive me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Open up the door. He said, that's what you've done. And he says in verse 16, uh, I'm sorry, Kevin, in uh, verse 15, what happened to this sense of blessing that you had? So like, I'm sick and you're welcoming, but now look what he says. For I testify to you that if possible, you would have literally torn out your eyes and given them to me. Okay, this is crazy, okay? Um, why, if, if back then you were so receiving, why are you not receiving me now? Some people have even gotten to this point about him tearing out their eyes mentality. I don't know. I just think it's, whenever I get intrigued, I'm sure somebody else would be intrigued by this. Maybe Paul's body illness actually had already impacted his eyes. It's a thought. Maybe maybe the sickness, the malaria, something had caused pain in his eyes and said, like, man, we'll give you something to help you. I mean, that's the thought. He's saying you truly care for me. And now he says in verse 16, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? They, meaning the Judaizers in verse 17, are enthusiastic about you, but not for any good. Man, I can tell you story after story even interacting with Pastor Gordy, I know that there have been people that have, have come into congregations, I'm sure even into your congregations, come into Time Revive and their intent is not good. They want something for themselves, but they don't have any intent of, of furthering or encouraging or edifying the body of Christ. And you have to watch out for those people. Instead, they want to isolate you so you, you will be enthusiastic about them. You know what that is? It means that they want you to follow their camp, their ways of doing things. Verse 18, now it's always good to be enthusiastic about good and not just when I'm with you. Uh, but he says in verse 18, uh, verse 19, my children, I am again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. <laughs> I'm at my wits end is what he's implying. I've totally gotten there with my kids. Like, please, will you just not listen? Like, 
Why would you totally just randomly kick your sister, Jude? I don't know. Maya, why would you randomly just hit Jude back? I don't know. Like, I've got... Kevin, have you ever gotten to that point? Oh, yeah. And you're just like, I don't know what to do with you anymore. And he says, I'd like to be with you and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do with you. And he says, tell me, those of you who want to be under the law, don't you hear the law? And so here's what he does. He begins to make, again, remember going back to the flesh and the spirit, he then makes this huge picture, this Old Testament story about Abraham. And he says, here's the deal. You have this way or this way. And it's a pretty powerful picture because of time. I'm just going to kind of read through this. And listen, it says, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. So here's the it's the slave mentality, you guys. Verse free slave verse free. And he says, but the one by the slave was born according to the impulse of the flesh. While the one by the free woman was born as a result of the promise. In other words, you have Ishmael and you have Isaac. These things are illustrations, but it doesn't mean because he says they're illustrations that they didn't happen historically. They still did. For the women represent the two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, which is where the law. You guys, this is the image. It bears children into slavery. This is Hagar. Then in how Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem. For she is in slavery with her children. In other words, bondage is what represents Hagar. There's no other way around it. Bondage and flesh. But the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. He begins to recite Isaiah 54, 1. He says, for it is written, rejoice, childless woman who does not give birth. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor for the children of the desolate are many more numerous than those, the scripture says, of the woman who has a husband. Now you brothers like Isaac are children of promise. But just as the children born according to the flesh persecuted the one born according to the spirit, so also now. But what does the spirit scripture say? Excuse me. Drive out the slave and her son, for the son of the slave will never be a co-heir with the son of the free woman. Therefore, and here's what I just have to say on this part, because it's kind of our closer. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. So he walks through this whole process, you guys, of adoption. And now he's sad that they're turning away literally from their adoption process of who they are as children of God. They're going back to their old ways of doing things. And then he just literally, he literally just says, which one do you want to be? Do you want to be the slave children or do you want to be the free children that can run because of the spirit of God? And I, I have a, it's kind of crazy, you guys. Kevin, I have a chart. You like my chart right here? It's pretty colorful, right? And it just talks about how when you function literally in the spirit, and I like Isaac. Isaac, you guys think about this. He was born by um, the power of God. He brought joy. He grew and was weaned. And yet in the process, he was persecuted. Just because there's freedom doesn't mean that there's not going to be persecution. And then there's Hagar uh, was a slave. And Hagar was literally not meant to bear a child. You realize that, right? Because of Abraham's impatience, flesh, going back to the bondage way of doing things and not depending upon the promise of God, they didn't experience freedom. Okay. Here it is, because I, I feel like there's a lot right here. Because of Abraham's going back to the old way of doing things, you realize we're still dealing with that issue. It might sound controversial, but it is. Because of one man not depending upon the promise of God, we have Ishmael, which then brings into the lineage of uh, the Islamic faith. Because of the Islamic faith, we have major issues between Isaac and Ishmael. True? You know what you really have a picture of? Bondage and freedom. 
And that freedom in all of this can only come through the liberator. It's not through the Jews. It's not through the Muslims. It's actually not through Christianity. It's through Christ. Christ is the one that says, look, because of me, you are a child of of God. All right, guys. Pray through what you heard today. Process. And maybe go back and read through Galatians 4 again. Bless you guys. And tomorrow will be a lot more lighthearted. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit with Pastor Tom Schieffer. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.